Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 2009 Ceremony Year win for Kate Winslet for the Lead Actress category. We've actually previously done the Supporting Actress category, which went to Penelope Cruz for Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Check out that episode. We did that with Dina Jackson and we always love her and it was a really fun episode. So uh, if you want to watch the whole 2009 Ceremony Year win, uh, it will be available because we've done both of the categories. Um, So today I am joined by uh, a friend and a, a guest that I always love having. Having on this podcast. Uh, she's a stand-up comedian, and uh, she has an EP coming out with uh, by Cottage Comedy, uh, their label, called Finger Liquor. Uh, <laughs> it's Fiona O'Brien. Hey, Fiona. Hi, Kyle. How are you? I'm good. So why, why is the EP called Finger Liquor? I know. People are going to be a bit... It sounds kind of racy, doesn't it? But it's not. <laughs> it's about that I haven't been able to lick my fingers to open plastic bags in supermarkets for two years. Uh, I did, but as long as I, like, sanitized it first. Oh, ugh, gross. <laughs> a little a little vodka taste. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, so 2009 ceremony. So best picture went to Slumdog Millionaire. Best director went to Danny Boyle for directing Slumdog Millionaire. Best actor went to Sean Penn for the movie Milk. Best supporting actor went to Heath Ledger for The Dark Knight, RIP. And best supporting actress, as I just said, went to Penelope Cruz for Vicky Cristina Barcelona. So, um... This particular year for Kate Winslet. Now, normally, um, we're not going to get into it, but uh, I do apologize to my Best Actress listeners. I know I've been getting some messages. I know that you guys were wondering why our episode wasn't out last week. Unfortunately, we had to have a guest uh, be replaced because um, he was between countries and he was having technical issues with his data and Wi-Fi and he was unable to basically there was just a bunch of circumstances that result in us having to miss last week's episode and I do apologize to the listeners I do know that uh you guys were like where is the episode uh so um Fiona being the um Irish angel that she is actually subbed in um, in a panic and I was really stressed out trying to find somebody at the last minute and she stepped in. So I just want to say a big round of applause and thank you so much to Fiona O'Brien for, for basically saving me. So yes. thank you, Fiona. Saint Fiona from now on. Yes. There's <laughs> a bit of a ring to it. Um, okay. So normally I would ask my guests like, oh my God, like, why did you pick this year? Uh, this was all kind of like last minute I actually selected this year and I never get to answer that question. So I'm just going to say, I picked this year because I have not seen The Reader since it came out. And I remember it made me very uncomfortable. And I remember just being like, you know what? Let's like revisit this subject matter. Let's see if it still makes me uncomfortable. It does. <laughs> but we will we will obviously like get into it. We will obviously um, jump into it. But before we do, I just want to ask Fiona, like, how are you doing, Fiona? Are you going to be celebrating Pride? I know that you said it was kind of a maybe situation this year in Toronto because your your son didn't want to go, but maybe he's changed his mind. So what's the update on that? He hasn't changed his mind. Um, okay. And he said that uh, I am not allowed to go and he won't be going to Pride until he can be like wearing hot pants and, and uh, giving it 100%. Okay, well, uh, I guess something to look forward to. So we'll just celebrate at home in private. Oh, it's, it's a beautiful, that's beautiful. Okay, great. Well, um, 
I think then that we should just go ahead and jump in. So these are in no particular order. This is kind of just the order that I watch the movies in, but whatever. Um, this one, okay, so let's talk about Melissa Leo in the movie Frozen River. So this was her first Academy Award nomination. She actually later won a few years, or maybe the year after, for um, in a supporting role for the movie The Fighter, where she famously swore during her acceptance speech, and uh, it was, like, super controversial, and Ellen brought her on her show and made fun of it. Um, it was it was funny, a funny moment in history, because obviously people swear, but everyone's shocked by Melissa Leo swearing. Uh, but in the movie uh, Frozen River, this is an indie movie, and you can obviously tell that there was a lot of Canada involved in this because it seemed like a CBC made-for-TV movie. <laughs> it was available on a Canadian streaming app called Tubi, which is free. So I didn't really have super high expectations for this movie, but I gotta say, I was pleasantly surprised. Um now, talking about specifically what the movie uh, Frozen River is about, we'll give a really quick synopsis here, and then we'll just jump right into it. So uh, the movie Frozen River is a mother looks for another source of income when her husband leaves with the money meant for the new mobile home. It's a double wide. Ooh, um, A nearby Indian territory, let's go with indigenous because I think this is a little out of date, stretches across the border to Canada with a drivable Frozen River between and basically she falls into this um smuggling people back and forth between uh canada and the united states on this frozen river and it's the only way that she can make this income because her dollar store job is not giving her the promotion that she was promised two years earlier so um melissa leo is the the matriarch of the family she's a single mother she doesn't even know where her husband is now um Okay, so Fiona, have you seen uh, this movie before? And uh, what did you think about it? And what did you think about Melissa Leo's performance? I had never, ever seen this movie. I actually had never seen any of the movies this year. Um, Mm. And I had never seen Melissa Leo. Um, I have never experienced her acting. Um, I, I thought she was great in it. The movie was, like you're saying, it was very much... I was like, how did this get selected yeah. for? Like, I didn't think it was an Oscar. I mean, it's a good movie, an amazing story. Like the story there is fabulous. But when I was looking at it, I was like, this is very CBC, you yeah. know? Um, <laughs> and, but uh, I mean, I think it's wonderful that it did get as far as the Oscars and it probably brought up great conversations that needed to be had. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a nom- it was also nominated for best writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the movie itself was very critically acclaimed, but I think mostly it's obviously based on the performance. And here's the thing. Um, it almost has like a winter's bone with uh, Jennifer Lawrence kind of, you know, let's call it methy kind of energy where it's just very like, like, how would I say this? Like low income, kind of little trashy you know, they're living in a trailer and she's trying to save up for the double wide and then they like keep bringing it onto the lot and then driving it away. And obviously she has to turn into uh, this world of smuggling people across the border to make money because it's kind of like her only option. So she is a sympathetic character. I do think though that Melissa Leo um, really was the right choice for this role because what I really appreciated about her character is they didn't like glam her up at all. Yeah. They made her look like rough. They made her look like she could play this kind of, you know, white trash 
trailer kind of mom. And she was, but she did it in such a survival sort of way where you just are like, well, yeah, she has no choice but to do this illegal thing. And I do love the way that they kind of play because like her partner is that like indigenous woman who's uh, lost her child uh, and is being raised by, you know, her, who was it? Her mother-in-law, I believe was raising her child. And, you know, then obviously there's a lot of symbolism and metaphors whenever they leave that baby behind who, who they thought was dead. And then the baby comes back to life and it's like, Oh, see, like you can take care of a baby and you are, you can be a capable mother. And, you know, there's a lot of really interesting themes of like race and um, mm-hmm. struggles that specifically apply to certain um, ethnic groups and um, struggles that don't apply. Like, so for example, whenever they would constantly be passing the police, you know, that indigenous woman, she would just be like, well, they're not going to stop you because you're white. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that there were a lot of really interesting, uh, relevant themes. Uh, I think the only thing yeah, that just ruined it for me was really just the the low budgetness. Like, do you remember when they went to that quote unquote strip club yes. outside of Montreal? <laughs> yes. And it was like a wood panel basement, like from the 1970s. And the guy with the French accent, I don't know. I am, I have family from Quebec. I basically like spent a lot of my childhood in Quebec. All of my friends have family in Quebec. I've never heard a French accent like that before. <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue. My my one question, I don't know if this crossed your mind, Kyle. As you know, I am a single mom um, mm-hmm. and I've gone through divorce and I raised my three kids. And But my ex does pay support and he gets them every second weekend. My issue with this was, why didn't she try and get a better job? She's like working the shittiest job possible. And it was like, did she not even... But then I thought maybe that that's just her she's been so beaten down that she doesn't even Mm -hmm. think she could do better that was my the question in my head because i would be sucking dicks in a parking lot rather than (laughs) working in dollarama (laughs) and it's interesting i feel like the character i could see some sucking dicks in a park energy like Mm -hmm. for sure and that's what i loved the way that melissa leo played it is it's almost like it was very much like this is my only option energy and i think that she played that very very well yeah, and um, her kids absolutely came first as far as much as they could for her. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that the baby was alive, but I think that the story did need a little bit level of conflict or darkness because in the end, whenever they do get caught and, you know, okay. and, you know, Melissa Leo taking the fall for the indigenous woman, I feel like that was the most uh, crucial part and moment for her character because there really just was a lack of conflict and opportunities for conflict in the movie like whenever uh the baby died i'm like oh shit you know it's gonna get real now here we go but then the baby lives and you're like oh okay and then every time they come over Mm -hmm. the border it's like they just get away with it and you're like okay i'm into this storyline i'm into this movie i love that they don't waste any time off the top you know immediately it's like you have the double wide being driven in and you can tell that she can't afford it and she's struggling and she's fighting for it and she's so desperate to get him to stay and cut a deal because her boyfriend husband whatever is missing and you know i love that you're in the story but i do think that there was just kind of a lack of conflict and that became a little frustrating after a while so i feel like her oscar moment was when she took the fall and went to jail, even though she knows that it's going to affect her children. She knows that it's going to affect her future, but like she has to sort of own that. And it, 
I don't know, like, it was just without that scene, I don't know if you have, like, a big Oscar moment necessarily, but of course, um, like, uh, I, I think that scene was very important, and I think that it was very, very well done, and I really enjoyed Melissa Leo in this movie. For an indie movie, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I thought she was great, and I thought that the... Um... The story was fantastic and, and you're seeing uh, kind of an insight into the uh, indigenous uh, family dynamic and how decisions are made and, and behind the scenes. And I all of that to me was really interesting and fabulous and eye opening to see. And I thought she did a great job. It was very, it, you know, it, it was dark and it was cold and it was edgy. Um, and like you're saying, there wasn't until it got to the last like 10 minutes, I was kind of like, is something going to happen? I was, you know, it was a little bit like the littlest yeah. <laughs> hobo. I was like, OK, I need some excitement. Um, but also just again, to reiterate the point, I also think that they really nailed the look, you know, like I believed that she was from this yeah. small town, you know. Absolutely. Like, I think the whole even even the where she was living in, in that. So what was it? She was getting rid of. She was living in a rundown mobile home and she was getting a double wide. Is that just two mobile <laughs> homes? It's just, yes. Um, I, okay. I guess so. Like, I'm not, like, well-versed in, like, trailer terms. Yes. And, and listen, aren't, like, seriously, how lucky are we that we don't know these True. terms? Seriously. Absolutely. You know, and that's the, I, and then maybe, maybe, you know, there is sort of an element of uh, inaccuracy that we're naive to because we don't know any different. And so we're like, wow, this is so accurate. What an amazing performance. But maybe somebody from a trailer park would be like, that is not at all what it's like. <laughs> I don't know. But yes. Uh, yes. absolutely. And I do like the way that they sort of play with privilege, even though she's clearly a like, super poor person working at the dollar store yeah. part time. But, you know, to the point that yeah. you were saying about her not, like, getting a different job, like, maybe in this small town, like, there were no other jobs. Yeah. Yeah, and, and actually, it looked like a very remote place, so I, I can't see that there would have been a lot. I, yeah, I, I just, I loved the fact that, like, I was into the movie the whole time, but, like, there's not really a lot that happens. It's very repetitive. But I liked yeah. that, though. And I think that Melissa Leo was definitely sort of the right choice for this kind of gritty tone and this gritty sort of role. Yeah. Was there any sort of moment that you thought maybe was like an Oscar moment or was there any sort of favorite moment that you had from her in this film? My favorite moment from her was when um, she you can just see, even by the look on her face, the lines on her face or whatever way they did their ma her makeup, whatever, or mm -hmm. lack of makeup, she looked so beaten down and exhausted. And I just looked at her and I felt exhausted. <laughs> and I thought, here is a woman literally just putting one foot in front of the other just to get through every day and try and provide a normal life for her kids. Um, the moment that stood out for me, and I totally related to this, the dad had left behind his blowtorch and then the teenage son would be using yeah. it a lot. And then by mistake, obviously, the son uh, set fire to part of the trailer. Nobody was hurt, but the trailer was damaged. And when she comes outside and she's in her nightdress with the coat over it and it's snowing, and the son has this huge attachment to the uh, blowtorch because it was his right. dad's. Even though his dad is an addict and has left and hasn't done anything for them, he still loved this blowtorch because he loved 
his dad in some shape or and the argument that the mom and the son had and she had the blow to, the t- like the son had the blowtorch and he had it up and he was going to blow it in the mother's yeah. face oh and I just this the um that actor that guy I know he's I recognized him from the middle I used to watch him in, in a tv show called the middle he's a great actor um but the son the dynamic between the teenage son and Melissa Leo I loved that and that argument was so yeah. real I thought it was there fabulous. was definitely a lot of moments in this movie where I didn't doubt that Melissa Leo was this person like I believed it and I was very much sucked into it which is really a credit to the acting because this movie is so low budget you know um yeah and also just to mention so the kid that you were talking about from the middle his name is Charlie McDermott and the um, indigenous like uh, co-smuggling partner. Uh, her name is uh, Misty Upham and she plays the character Lila. She was actually nominated for a few like indie awards um, from this film. Uh, and, you know, like the Alliance of Women Film Journalists, like she was, uh, she actually won like Best Newcomer, the American Indian Film Festival. She won Best Supporting Actress. So she, this role for her was also like critically acclaimed, which is interesting. Um, and Melissa Leo obviously is like the star of the the movie because it's kind of just her movie and her story and stuff like that. Um, but I just think that she did so much with so little because there really wasn't a lot to this movie, but you're sucked into it. You don't doubt that she is this person or this character at all. It's very gritty and dark. And I really, really enjoyed, I really enjoyed this performance and I really enjoyed uh, this movie. Yep. I feel the Okay, same. great. So let's go ahead and move on to the next, oh my God, movie. This one I am so excited to talk about because I'd never, I knew about this film, but I'd never actually seen it. But let's talk about Anne Hathaway in Rachel Getting Married, a story of a young woman Jeez. who has been in and out of rehab for the past 10 years. She returns home for the weekend for her sister's wedding and her sister who's fantastic in the movie by the way is played by rosemary dewitt you have deborah winger popping into the movie who oh my god cancer yeah exactly there's always but there's always like someone right in the movie that like wait no was anybody in this movie dying no right Mm -hmm. there was that no okay so that's weird that deborah winger was in it she was like okay it's a little unorthodox for me to be a movie where no one's dying of cancer but fine like if you you think i can do it um which by the way deborah winger i could watch her slapping anne hathaway like (laughs) for an hour (laughs) but anyway so anne hathaway in this movie rachel getting married is a complete train wreck because at this point in her career People only knew her as like the makeover girl. She was like in Princess Diaries. She was in, you know, The Devil Wears Prada, etc. So this movie is a huge departure from what she was known as. And I remember at this time in history, that was the biggest criticism of her is like, why are you always doing makeover movies, right? And then here comes Rachel Getting Married, who is directed by um, Jonathan Dem, who directed um, The Silence of the Lambs and Philadelphia and Adaptation, or he was a producer of Adaptation. And you have these movies that are so iconic. And then this. I did not care for this film. There were so many scenes that just dragged on like, hey, could we watch the band play for another 20 minutes? Because that seems really important to the story. Let's just... Also, I'm pretty sure that this film was like filmed with like a Windows XP webcam. It was just super low budge. Or it seemed super low budge. 
I don't know if all the budget just went to the actors because, you know, you have some big names in here, right? But, oh yeah. my God, this was, of all of the movies that we watched, this was the most painful. This was the one that I hated the most. But I will say this, though. Anne Hathaway truly is the only reason to watch this movie. She's actually fantastic in this film. So had you seen this movie before and what did you think about it? I had never seen it before. And like you're saying, you know, years ago, Anne Hathaway to me was the Princess Diaries and all of that. Uh, until I saw her in Brokeback mm. Mountain. And then I went, oh, hey, hang on. This girl's actually yes, really good. Right. Um, and, and not that I'm belittling acting in The Princess Diaries. You're still acting and putting out a movie. Um, but I had never seen this movie. And I sat down to watch it. And I was so distracted with how it was filmed. It, it was like somebody had filmed it on TikTok. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, if this... Can they just keep the fecking camera still? Um, the, like you're saying, she... Was re I can imagine Anne Hathaway as if I know her receiving the script for this movie, reading it and going, "Now this is some shit yeah. I can sink my yes. teeth into. I can really go for this, and I can absolutely see why she would have wanted to take this this movie." Holy shit! Every instrument known to man must have been played through that whole fucking movie. It was such, and they dragged. In every, they just dragged. In the background of every fucking scene, there was a group of musicians playing something. Mm -hmm. Like I was about to lose that it. Was, that was and, one of the only facts about this movie was that all music performed in this movie, that was the only music in the film and it was all performed on screen. Like it wasn't like a studio recording. Jesus. <laughs> oh, it, so that, that distracted me. It distracted me that literally in every scene and the scenes were kind of you know pretty intense there'd be somebody in the next room playing an oboe or something you're like jesus <laughs> and you know what's interesting at this time of history because clearly they're trying to demonstrate that this family that rachel is going home to they're they're clearly a very um liberal uh type of family because of all the cultural appropriation like they were all wearing like those indian um, like wedding sarongs and dresses and there were different themes of different cultures like all throughout yeah. but back in the day like that was you know how people were like liberal or back in the day we used to call them hippies right or they used to call them um yeah oh god what would they uh, bohemians do you remember that when we used to call them bohemians yes. but now it's like you call them like hipsters or or <laughs> liberal cucks or whatever but like yes Pains in yeah, the sure. And, and it's so interesting how that kind of thing has changed because now when you watch something like that, it's like you would see that as cultural appropriation of just white women wearing other yeah. people's culture. But back in the day, it was more of a tribute. And listen, I mean, I'm, sh I'm sure that no harm was intended. It's a tribute to a culture that they find beautiful or whatever. But it's just to me, I find it interesting how times have really changed. Um, changed, yeah. But yes, oh my God, scenes dragged. They, they just drag on and on and on. And uh, I think that um, they were more concerned about awkward drama than they were about like the story. Too many wedding scenes, too many like actual scenes from a wedding where it's like, is this relevant to the plot? Can we just move on? I believe that you had a rehearsal dinner and I believe that somebody got up at some point to use the bathroom. I don't need to see that on screen. Like it, yeah. again, obviously this is a director's 
choice. Clearly this was maybe a little experimental. Clearly this is like an indie vibe. I understand that. But like, if you've ever seen the movie Pieces of April, um, you know, you have that same sort of thing where it's like filmed with like a Windows XP webcam, but it's done in a, in a, interest, a more interesting way. I just didn't enjoy the actual story. I didn't enjoy uh, the, the, the direction. I didn't enjoy a lot of things about this movie, but Anne Hathaway playing that burnout person who needs to be the center of attention, toxic sister. I know people like that. I mean, we're, we're in the entertainment industry. We know train wrecks of people. Hey, like I've been to therapy. I've had my drug and alcohol. I've been messy. Like I, you know, and I love the way that her character, um, um, I love the way Anne Hathaway's character, uh, is coming into it as a very selfish person. And I love that she doesn't shy away from that because it makes it so unlikable and real. And, uh, Kim, Kim was her, was her name in this movie, uh, and uh, like you're saying, yeah, like in Brokeback, I, and that's so great that you brought that up. I forgot about Brokeback when she has the fucking big blonde bouffant with the press on nails at the end. And she's like, who is this? Like, I, I totally forgot about that scene. But yeah, like she clearly had range, but this movie allowed her to really demonstrate that range. And just as a side note, can we remember a time when we all like loved Anne Hathaway? Do you remember when she was like the biggest movie star in the world and then she won her Oscar and everybody was like, ugh, because she was so gross and annoying on like the campaign to the Oscar. And it just ruined her career. And now she's like nominated for Razzies and you're like, oh, I'm rooting for a comeback for Anne Hathaway because I do think that she's a great actress. I think so too. I, I definitely think so. And like you're saying about her coming from therapy and all her therapy speak and, and she's, and I find this because obviously being a, a comedian, I go to therapy too. Um, I find it, it's so, it was so refreshing to see her having, she's in the process and she's going to therapy and she's doing everything. And now she is starting to expect all her family to be doing the same and they're not they're like no you're the one that needed therapy and then she's like yeah but there were issues with all of you too and i could relate to that oh so God, much i know i know but she was great and and um when she was giving the speech i don't know whether it was the rehearsal dinner or the wedding dinner there was so like we literally had to hear a speech from every single person in the cast i don't know whether the director had promised everybody a speaking role or something <laughs> because it went on and on and on and it didn't need to but Kim so Anne Hathaway's character and she stands up to give a speech and that everyone's like oh shit here we go black sheep yep. of the family and she literally turned the whole thing yes. about herself instead of offering her sister and her new brother-in-law congratulations she completely and, and like you say I mean, I know I'm guilty of it. We've all done it. But like she did it to such an extent. I was sitting there going, you selfish narcissist yeah, right. bitch. But she was so good at playing it. I was nearly shouting. Oh, I know because you, we know that person. We all know that person. And especially when it comes to like siblings and stuff like that, where oftentimes our, our sibling will take a selfish it's like she always took a selfish because she thinks she's the more interesting sister. She's the ex model. She's been to rehab. So she's the more interesting person. So it's like when Rachel needs to be the center of attention, it really brings in the conflict of her character being like, well, no, like I, 
because I'm coming back from rehab. Me, like, this is so hard for me. How can you not see that? I think one of the best moments is whenever they're in the middle of the fight and then Rachel says that she's going to have a baby and that she's pregnant. A baby. And she's, I wrote and she's that like, you, you can't say that in the middle of a fight. We're not done here. And it's like, oh my God, I have had a fight with this person and those moments have come up and they're not done with it and they want to keep going. And it just, I really feel like Anne Hathaway was really bringing it to this role a garbage yeah. movie seriously i hated this movie but just mm-hmm. she absolutely nailed this character and i can totally see why the acting was singled out yeah absolutely she deserved to be nominated for an oscar the movie i will not watch it again but i will remember anne hathaway in it and she was good i she agree i also think that like hey like why doesn't she do more roles like that because she's been taking on strange comedy roles that are just recently that are like that movie that she did with rebel wilson god i don't even remember what it was called but i do remember it was like shot shit i'm trying to say shit on shite (laughs) it was bad i really was not a fan and anyway all this to say it's like anne hathaway i miss when you used to bring it to the screen because i know that you can and i i just wish that she would do more maybe unlikable roles like this because when she's trying to be super likable like when she was on her campaign to the oscar she did that like it came true crap it was like oh god get out of here like she's just insufferable in interviews but when she's kind of playing like i think bitch is a lazy word but it's like i think when she's kind of playing that unlikable narcissistic selfish center needing to be center of attention she probably has borderline you know kind of character she's way more interesting and I just I love watching it yeah absolutely okay so would you have anything else that you would like to add before we move on um I the the movie when I found out about the brother and how the brother the little brother died in the car accident and that she was to blame then for me her character evolved Mm -hmm. and I went okay now I'm like she I'm I am now um committed to her in this Mm -hmm. role and I thought she was, I thought she was really good in this role. I also, I mean, I guess actually before we move on, I do think it's also worth mentioning that like Deborah Winger's presence in the movie was very profound because she's barely in it. But I really remember yeah. her in this role because you can clearly see like where, she, where Anne Hathaway's character gets it from. Right. And the way that her mom, Deborah Winger just leaves Rachel's wedding, like in the middle of the wedding She's like, what are you doing? And then that's kind of where you can see Rachel and um, Kim can bond over the fact that like their mother is selfish and leaves and is like, well, me now, like I got to go. And they're like, what the fuck? But, you know, it it, dysfunctional family and uh, very well acted. Just, yeah, kind of a kind of a boring movie and not kind of it. Just it was a boring movie. Wait, wait until it's free. Don't go and pay for 100%. it. Anybody. Actually, I also think this is on Tubi, the free streaming platform. So I just check that out. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Meryl Streep in the movie Doubt. I did this movie before. We talked about, um, we talked about, uh, oh my gosh, her name is escaping me. She played the the, the supporting role of uh, the movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um <laughs> Oh my gosh, why is this escaping? Amy Adams, Amy there you Adams. go, shoot. I <laughs> smoke a lot of drugs, I'm sorry people. And obviously, you know, doubt. We, we, we've covered this before. Very quick synopsis. A Catholic school principal questions a priest's ambiguous relationship with a troubled young student and the principal is Meryl Streep. I actually kind of forgot 
how present she is in this movie. Because the last time that I watched this for Amy Adams, I remember just focusing so much on Amy Adams that I wasn't really paying attention to Meryl Streep. And watching this again, I'm like, oh, wow, like Meryl Streep was like really in this movie. She is fantastic in this movie. And I say that because she is like frightening, but in like, not in like a Devil Wears Prada kind of frightening, but like the fact that she's frightening and she's wearing a bonnet. That's hard to do because you look ridiculous (laughs) with that stupid thing on your head. And she's frightening. Oh, well, you see, I have a different view of this. I definitely frightening. Um, but being a head nun in a school and that like, that's how I was raised and how I was educated. I was, I thought she was fabulous. Absolutely. As the head nun where, you know, they have compassion and they have love, but they rule with an iron mm. fist, you know? Well, this is the movie that Viola Davis came in and debuted her snotty nose performances, which we all love. Holy <laughs> shit. We love it. We're all here for it, of course. But Oprah actually lobbied for that role of um, Mrs. Miller, but uh, John Patrick Stanley refused to give her a reading. And like, I'm glad that it went to to Viola, but I'd, mm. I'd be curious to see like what Oprah's take on that. Um, the shawl that um, Meryl Streep's character in Doubt is wearing, she actually, Meryl Streep hand-knitted the shawl herself. And Frances McDormand was actually the original choice for the role of Sister um, Alicia's Aloysius. Bouvier or Bouvier or whatever her name oh, yeah. is. Um, but yeah, so in the movie, Meryl is so tenacious in her belief and like will not back down on Philip Seymour Hoffman. I do kind of enjoy the fact that it's like an ambiguous ending, but I mean, if he was being switched around parishes, you know, three times in five years, I mean, come on, like he must've done something. Right. And yeah. Listen, that's what they did. I I will, you go ahead and then I'll tell you. Oh, no, I don't know if I want to hear this. This is coming. Oh, it's, it's going oh, to get Oh my dark. gosh, it's coming. Okay. Well then. I'm I'm fascinated. I'm nervous but fascinated. So please tell me, tell me. So so Philip Seymour Hoffman is so creepy and so good mm-hmm. in this role. Um and he reminded me so much of our our parish pedophile. Oh uh, it's a true story. People can look it up. Uh, Ivan Payne, he is in jail in, in Ireland. Um, he was the charmer. He was the fun. He was kind of attractive, a little bit young, not youngish, but like in his 40s. We all loved him. We all adored him. And I, I remember myself and all my girlfriends getting together a petition because he would never take the girls on day trips. He only took ever the altar boys and the young guys oh, out on trips and to wow. the cinema and picnics. And we were absolutely raging oh that he God. wasn't bringing any of the girls. <laughs> And I used to go to confession to him. Like, I'm, you know, I'm Catholic Ireland. That's how I grew up. And I would go to confession once a month and I would always queue up outside his uh, confession booth because he was the cool priest. And I would go in and I, I used to go, it's so weird. Every time I confess to him, he asks about my brothers. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm nervous. Like, this is, oh, like, that's so E.B. Cray. Like, God, those. Yep. So- did he like and, did he steal or something? Oh, yes, no, he did. No. And so you can look it up. People can look it up. Ivan Payne is his name. And he um so when you're saying he was moved around, he was moved from a parish where he was caught abusing a boy, two boys and kids in a hospital, and he was moved to my parish and put in charge of the children's oh, choir. Oh god. And 
used to give counselling to families that were going through divorce. So he had full access to vulnerable young children. And this man is now in jail. And people have written books about him. And so when, so this movie to me, I was looking at Philip Seymour Hoffman going, he definitely did it. it. But, but I was totally relating to Meryl Streep. And this is the question I had in my mind. Meryl Streep's character was so convinced Mm -hmm. that he was guilty. Was it because she had previous experience of a priest that got away with it? And she was never going to let another priest get away with it. And I think I was coming from the exact same point of view. I think the thing that was very clear to me was the way that they portrayed the priests having dinner, having some scotch, having a cigar, they're laughing. And then they cut to the nuns, which is like the meeting of the bats, right? They're just sitting there in silence and... Really, Meryl Streep's character, you're like, okay, so I'm so glad that Meryl Streep is like, I'm not playing a one-note character because whenever the older uh, nun, you know, she can't see, she's having trouble holding onto her fork, Meryl Streep is there for her and she supports her and she defends her and she makes excuses for her. So you're like, okay, so she has a heart. She is layered. And I love that I thought, okay, is that how far they're going to go with it? But no, you have very interesting conflict. Like whenever she goes into Viola Davis, she's like, listen, I think that Philip Seymour Hoffman um, is like an Ivan Payne situation. Okay. Like, I think that there's a messed up situation. Like it's, and then Viola Davis character is like, well, good, because it's the only love and attention that he gets because at home he's like beaten and you're like, oh my God. I know how it's mental. absolutely insane. And then again, you have another conversation about white privilege and race because, you know, he is it, like in the black community being LGBTQ. It's just a fact. Even today is not as accepted yeah. in the white community as it is comparatively to the black community. Right. And back in the yeah. when was this, the 50s or the early 60s, I can't remember, but still like in New England, I can't even imagine like we're in Boston or whatever is wherever it is that they were. I can't even imagine how scary that is. And just whenever you see how this kid, this victim, it's like he, this is his only option. This is his only way of getting affection is by being abused. You're like, Jesus Christ. And the way that Meryl Streep's character comes into it and it's like, what is wrong with you? What kind of a mother are you? And then Viola Davis has to defend her, her point of view. And there's so much wonderful conflict between Meryl and, um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and her and Viola Davis and her and Amy Adams. And just, it's such a layered performance and such a, I just, I think this is one of Meryl's best. And I kind of forgot how good she was in this because the last time I was so focused on Amy Adams that this time around, it's whenever people say that Meryl Streep is overrated. It's like, I don't think that she's overrated. I think that we're just so desensitized to her talent because we're so used to it. But then when you really stop and pay attention to her, you're like, oh my God, like she is that good. Yeah. She was amazing in this movie. She was amazing. And every scene, I just, I was captivated by her. I totally believed she was the head nun. I totally believed she was, she thought she was protecting these children. And even though she she was like a very, very harsh woman, um, you felt that she had a really big heart underneath yeah. it all. Um, I thought I thought Meryl Streep was phenomenal in this. Well, it's role. interesting the way that she refuses to back down from Philip Seymour Hoffman because there's this sort of inner conflict that she is communicating to the audience in such a wonderful way, where 
there is an order. There is a hierarchy, obviously, like almost like a military rank where obviously Philip Seymour Hoffman being the priest, he outranks her, but, and she clearly follows the rules to the book, but she refuses to follow that hierarchy of order because, or really she's almost betraying her faith in a way because she knows that she's right. And she knows the difference between right and wrong. And, and it's, it's that, that sort of conflict, it's not verbalized, but you can see it's part of her inner monologue and that's being communicated whenever she is like having fights in the office, uh, in her office with him. And it's just, yeah, just uh, chef's kiss. And even, and even just the small details of him coming into her office and sitting behind her desk, as in, I have the hierarchy here and then him expecting her to pour him tea. And, And it's just the tiny little mannerisms of things that go on even in those details, she is so great. Um, I love the way that she pokes holes in Amy Adams's logic um, because of, you know, like she, Amy Adams doesn't want to believe that this could possibly be true. And then she goes, well, isn't it easier to just believe him? And I love like just how tenacious she is about this whole thing where she's like, no, I know that I'm right. But then at the end, whenever she delivers the line saying that I have doubts, I have such doubts, that line, I'm going to say that she nailed that line because that line could be so screwed up by the actor. Like, it just seems like such a, because the movie's called Doubts, so the fact that you're ending on the title, it's always a little cheesy whenever, like, the title of the movie is, like, one of the lines, you know what I mean? And just the way that she says it where she's like, I have doubts, I have such doubts, it it, I mean, even just the way that I'm saying it, it just sounds silly, but like she delivers it in such a serious way. That's like very heartbreaking. And you're like, Oh God, like, but no, there's just, I don't have any doubt. I'm convinced that he did it. Um, and it's just interesting the way that you see her character's vulnerability by admitting that doubt when she clearly is such a scary, like owns all of her own decisions kind of person. So to see that kind of vulnerability, of her admitting, oh, maybe I'm kind of wrong here. That's another layer to her yeah. character. It, yeah. Yeah. And and I felt that she admitted that at the end, but did what she had to do to protect the kids that she was in charge of. And even if she was wrong, at least that doubt or whatever was causing her to think or those doubts was removed and the children were safe. So I think she was like, I have doubts, but I'm 100% happy I did what I did. That's how I felt. I, I wonder if she took this role to be like, well, not all scary nun principles are that bad. You know, maybe she was like, I'm going to show a good side to them. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Uh, okay, so do you have anything else that you would like to add to her performance before we move on? Uh, no, I thought she was fabulous in it and it was great to see her. And like you say, I think we are desensitized and immune to Meryl Streep because she has set the bar yes. so high mm-hmm. herself. That when she comes into a movie, I'm like, okay, we're going to get a Meryl Streep performance. And so you, we already go in expecting a lot. Um, and she delivered a lot, like she always does. I thought it was fabulous. I thought she was great in this and definitely deserved Absolutely. to be nominated. Okay, so let's talk about, I 
cannot wait to talk about this movie. Let us talk about Angelina Jolie in the movie Changeling. Oh, oh my God. No, no, no. Okay. So, okay. First of all, okay. So this uh, was directed by Clint Eastwood and I absolutely, I haven't seen this movie since it came out, but very, very quickly, quick synopsis. So grief stricken mother, Christine Collins, Angelina Jolie, uh, takes on the LAPD to her own detriment when it, uh, when it tries to pass off an obvious imposter as her missing child. So this is based on a true story. And the LAPD was very corrupt during this time in uh, history. Also, if you were a woman with any kind of, well, agency or any mm-hmm. kind of like, hey, like you're being corrupt right now, they would just throw you into a mental institution and give you shock therapy and then twist your words around and make you sound crazy, even though you were completely right. Very frustrating movie to watch. The beginning hour of the movie is kind of like her losing her child and then getting the wrong child back and everybody being like, you're wrong, you're wrong. And then it's ended up proven that like, this is just a, this child is just a con artist. And uh, then it becomes sort of like a legal battle. And then at the end, it's like, oh my God, did they actually find the kid? And it is, I absolutely love this movie. I've only seen it the one time. My thing about Angelina Jolie is like, for me, like when I was a kid, when I was growing up, like she was like the epitome of a movie star. I mean, Brangelina was like the big explosion, right? Of like her in like the zeitgeist. But I mean, like Angelina Jolie is just for me, like the most gorgeous woman ever to live. Like when I was, I just thought she was such a star. I love and I miss this movie star version of her career and who the type of roles that she used to take because, you know, she did so many of those crappy, like action movies, like gone in 60 seconds wanted. I mean, just those are two off the top of my head, but like she clearly can be such a great dramatic actress and girl interrupted is one of my favorite movies of all time. And so seeing her in this playing the matriarch and being so, not like soft-spoken but complacent and obedient it's so Mm -hmm. weird because she always kind of plays that tough girl kind of character and she's always like has like multiple guns like tomb raider or something even though fuck i love tomb raider (laughs) don't get me wrong but literally like just it's so interesting seeing her in this type of role where she had to be so complacent and i absolutely loved her in this movie i could watch her in it again and just as a side note to anybody listening, wondering if they ever did find the child, uh, no. It's likely that the child did survive from that like weird cage compound from that murdering, he was murdering children and some of the kids got out. Very likely he got out, um, but they were never reunited again. And she spent the rest of her life looking for him. I believe she died in the 1960s, but yeah, they never were reunited again, which is sad. Oh. Yeah. Um, the title, by the way, Changeling is uh, based on a European folk legend, a changeling. It was like fairies, elves, trolls, or the devil would steal your kids from the cradle and then leave a false child called a changeling. And sometimes it was used to explain infant deaths or disorders such as a mental disability or autism, which yikes. And, uh, the child, the real child became a slave of the demon. And the reason why Angelina jo- Jolie was cast in this role was because uh, she was a mother of like, how many kids does she have? Like eight. She's uh, She got the role because she was a mother and Ron Howard was like, she has the look for the time period. The only thing that I will say um, is the my only criticism of, of 
this has nothing to do with the movie or the acting or anything. She was a little too pretty. Like, Angelina Jolie is just gorgeous. Like, I'm very yeah. aware that I'm watching. She's She was just a little too glam for, like, a suburban mom in the 1920s, in my opinion. But, hey, this is the type of movie star that I love. I love seeing the glam. I love seeing the, the gorge. But it did take me out of it a little bit because remember when they just kept cutting back to her in, like, the courtroom scenes and just that face, that makeup, the hair. Like, she's just, it's just boom. Like, it's just Angelina Jolie, like, gorgeous. It just, it took me out of it a bit. But anyway, yeah. so what did you think about this movie? Had you seen this before? And what did you think about this performance? Holy shit, this movie. <laughs> As a, as a single mom, put years on it, right? <laughs> I think I messaged you during it going, holy shit. Um, so <clears throat> she was fabulous in it. I thought this movie was amazing. I will start by saying I love Clint Eastwood directing mm. movies. I just feel he gives you the whole Hollywood experience of a great mm. movie. Um. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I've loved what stuff that he has directed. So when I saw Hugh directed it, I was like, brilliant. I saw she was in it. I saw John Malkovich. I was like, okay, this is going to be good. And the storyline had so many different layers and so many different political things going on in it. I, The movie freaked me out, made me want to mm. puke. But that's how much, that's how invested I was in it. And, and I was so invested in her mm. character and I was like, how, oh my God, if that was me, I'd be screaming the place down. I wouldn't stop until they heard me. And and then and then thinking of a woman in that age where the movie should have been called Gaslighting. Yeah, I because know. this was gaslighting <laughs> at its finest, what they did to this woman. Even though we didn't know what gaslighting was back in 1920, whatever. Um, I thought it was fabulous. The whole movie was fabulous and gut-wrenching. And I so believed her character. It's so interesting that you say that um, because you do get so sucked into it and gaslighting. That's funny. So do you know that that term is actually from the movie Gaslight? I think it's Gaslight or Gaslit. And it's uh, Ingrid Bergman actually won an Academy Award for it. This was in like the 1940s. That's where that term is from. It's from that movie. Um, it, which is, ah. which is so interesting. So yeah, no, they didn't have gaslighting in the 1920s, but oh my God, so infuriating watching the LAPD. Oh my God. You just wanted to reach through the fucking screen and strangle yeah. the head of the LAPD because it was just, he, you're just wondering, you're like, do you guys just not care about facts? Do you guys just not care about evidence? Yeah. Like she is coming to you as a reasonable person and just the way that she wouldn't just jump over the table and just... And the way that she was so complacent. And I think for me, that was what the, that is where the Academy Award nomination came in because you're so used to Angelina Jolie taking out like two pairs of guns and just shooting the person to death. Right. So I was like, it was (laughs) just seeing her as this like calm, obedient person. You're like, Oh my God. But that was what was so brilliant about the performance because of course it is a product of its time. And this was, you know, women's roles in history and like, uh, like at this time in history, I mean, and thank God that John Malkovich came in and he was sort of like the lawyer on her side because he really did help her a lot. Um, and when he gets her out of the um, uh, the mental 
institution, which by the way, mental institution, that was like a torture chamber, which they were, by the way, back, if you've ever seen the movie Francis with uh, Jessica Lange, like they show, like, you know, patients would just be raped, like, and this was just common, you know, by like the orderlies and stuff like that. But Oh my God. So many moments of this movie. Like whenever she, whenever the cops tell her that her son is alive the first time, her reaction is so real. Like you can tell that she's a mother. You can tell that she understands the the moment. And it's just, I miss this Angelina Jolie. I miss her in these kinds of big blockbuster, dramatic budget roles. She just wants to be a director now. She wants to follow her own passion project. I understand that, but like, I miss Anne Hathaway as a big movie star and I really miss Angelina Jolie as a movie star. And hey, I also miss Kate Winslet as a movie star. Like, we'll get into it. But like, uh, I just, this was one of my favorite time periods of movie history and it's very nostalgic for me, but I love Angelina Jolie in this movie. And whenever they like go and they show like where the kids were being trapped in cages and you see like the murderer and how sadistic he is and just how fucked up the subject matter is. And you're right. Clint Eastwood just brings you in and sucks you in for that Hollywood sort of blockbuster. And, and just the way that it's just so gritty and, and, and dark and you're, you never get bored, even though like the story changes because then it does become like kind of a court drama, but then you go from like one courtroom where they're talking about the LAPD where everybody was there. And then you go over to the other courtroom where like the, you know, alleged murderer is like being tried and there's like no one in there. Well, comparatively speaking. And then she's kind of going back and forth when he runs at her, whenever he's convicted and sentenced to death, when he runs at her and he's like, I didn't kill your child. I need you to know that. And just the fear that you see on her face, like it was just such an amazing performance for Angelina Jolie. I think this is probably her best leading role performance because in, uh, in Girl Interrupted, obviously, that was supporting. But, you know, just Changeling and his uh, Girl Interrupted, these are two of my favorite, favorite performances. I am so biased when it comes to Angelina Jolie, but, like, she did everything that she could with this character. It was just, the reactions were so real. I didn't doubt for a second that she was uh, Christine Collins. I just, mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. My only question, and you know I always have one, how did she have that bloody house as a single mom? She had this big, huge, bloody house on a beautiful I road. I was like, where? Somebody must have, she must have inherited it. Somebody must have I know, like, were houses just free back then? Like, when you think about, when you think about, like, a uh, house, like, rental, like, or just real estate in general, like, back in the day, like, a house would be, like, a thousand dollars. I know. I know. Oh, I think it's just because we're listening to the news so much with inflation and house oh prices here. And I was like, look at all that space. <laughs> there's only the two of oh, them I in know. the house. And now there's only her because your mom's Oh, I know. Like, one of my girlfriends, she just moved back to Ottawa, which is sad. She was living in uh, Little Portugal in Toronto. I believe that she bought the house 10 years ago, believe it or not, for like three or $400,000. Okay. And like for Toronto, like yeah. that's really cheap, right? And then they yeah. renovated it. And uh, they sold it, and I believe that they made like a profit of another like four hundred thousand. Like I think they closed at like eight hundred, wow. and then they moved to Ottawa and, and and got something even bigger for like a, a a like a smaller price, right? But like, yeah, real estate. I mean, back in the day, if you just looked up how much houses cost, you just want to vomit everywhere because that house that she was living in with her kid was like a mansion. <laughs> Yeah, well, to me, it was a mansion. Um, but yeah, anyway, I I absolutely 
loved the movie and and it really sparked up all the fears that, that you would have mm-hmm. as a mom and then when the when the LAPD a complete PR stunt because they were getting so much hassle bring back this child and just because he's a boy the same age they're like oh hey we yeah, found okay. your kid and she's like that's not my kid and they were like stay calm be quiet don't act hysterical or you're gonna end up in the nut house yeah. you know it was she played this like she oh my god for the time period and who she was supposed to be in the political times i thought she was fabulous in this i think angelina jolie needs to work with directors like clint eastwood more often you know what i mean because i just miss her like just being the mega movie star that she is and i remember i mean do you remember like whenever she gets let out of the mental institution and she just kind of has this attitude like her character has this attitude where she's just got nothing left to lose she is broken down she's lost her son she has gotten shock treatment for christ's sake like she just yeah emotionally like Angelina Jolie played it exactly how she should. Her character was exactly where her character should be. And I just think watching the journey of um, from beginning to end, I was hooked. I was in, I absolutely loved every minute of it. And I think that it's truly one of Angelina Jolie's best. Yeah. And I would say to anyone listening to the podcast, if they haven't watched this movie, Mm. watch it, set aside a whole evening for it. Have a glass of wine and watch it. It's it's a really, really great movie. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else that you would like to add to her performance before we move on to our winner? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. So let us talk about our winner for the 2009 ceremony year, Kate Winslet. Frankly, I'm a little surprised that Kate Winslet only has one Oscar. I think that she's truly just one of the best. Um, and uh, talking about the movie... Uh, the reader. Uh, okay, let me just pull up a little description here very quickly. So, uh, post-World War II Germany, nearly a decade after his affair with an older woman came to a mysterious end, the older woman being Kate Winslet, um, and the uh, uh, the person in question that the story the narrative is about is for the perspective of Ray Fiennes, uh, law student Michael Berg re-encounters his former lover as she defends herself in a war crime trial. Trial, sorry. So this is kind of another movie where it's like the beginning, the first hour is about the emotional journey. And then the second part, it's kind of becomes like a court crime kind of drama because you find out that she was a Nazi and responsible for sending people, Jewish people to their deaths in uh, these um, internment camps during the second world war. Kate Winslet in this movie is this older woman that runs into younger Ray finds he has scarlet fever. He's sick in the street and she kind of picks him up and takes care of him uh, in her apartment and makes him feel better. What? And then on his way out of him or, or of her taking care of him, she's like slowly getting dressed and putting on her stocking. And then he's like, Ooh, and then he goes home and he's sick for a while, but then he comes back and then they have this like very creepy relationship, which frankly good for Kate Winslet for going there. Like she is giving you full bush. She's giving you full titties. She is, (laughs) she is going for it. And I have so much respect for any actor, especially this kid, the actor in question just turned 18 years old when this movie was being filmed. Okay. Uh, David Cross is his name. The actor just turned 18. So that is like a fresh child. You know what I'm saying? And Kate Winslet 
Yeah. And I'm sure David Cross probably enjoyed it because it's Kate Winslet. Like, come on. She's a friggin', she's a bombshell. She's gorgeous. But literally, like, oh my God. Like, there were so many creepy, uncomfortable moments. It was interesting that they didn't really bring up any moments of pedophilia or anything like that. Because, like, well, it's a woman, uh-huh. so it's fine. It's it's hot, right? And you're like, okay, like, who is this for? But I, the this movie is incredible. This performance is incredible. But I just have to say, I found it kind of funny that she, Kate Winslet's character uh, found it more shameful to be illiterate than to be a Nazi yes. responsible for sending hundreds, if not thousands of people to their death. <laughs> That I thought was kind of interesting. But okay, so up until this point in her career, Kate Winslet, she had been nominated many, many times. Okay, so let me just count specifically, but I do know that her first one was for Sense and Sensibility. So it was one, two, three, four, five, six. This was her seventh nomination. She's been nominated eight times. The last time was for Steve Jobs in a supporting role, and she probably should have won that one too, but that's a different podcast. But at this point in her career, it was sort of like that Leo moment where it was like why doesn't she have an oscar yet like i don't understand right she probably should have won for sense and sensibility she probably should have won for titanic but this really was her year she wanted to go supporting for this year because she was also uh revolutionary road was a big hit and at the golden globes she had won best performance by an actress in a drama and then she won supporting for the reader And so I think that she was trying to do that again at the Oscars, but the Academy insisted on just doubling down and voting for her for a lead role in The Reader. We talk about category fraud all the time on this podcast, but honestly, I would actually say that I would buy her as a lead instead of supporting in this, in this particular role. The reason why it's called The Reader is because Ray Fiennes reads to her because she's illiterate and that's kind of like their love language. Um, So what do you think about this movie? Had you seen it before? And what do you think about Kate Winslet? I had never seen this movie. I absolutely loved the storyline. I had never seen it. And um, and I have watched a lot of movies about uh, World War II and the, and the uh, concentration camps and Auschwitz and all the rest of it. And I, I, when I was a teenager, I used to watch them a lot and read books on it a lot. So I loved the storyline. I did have to stop and Google how old is this guy <laughs> that she is now having sex with and how old was her character because I immediately felt uncomfortable. <laughs> You're so like, can we get Meryl Streep in, in here, please, with the bonnet? We, She's oh, got another case to go. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I know. But I ha- like, I, as a mom, I'm sitting here going, oh, yeah. my God. Um, so I looked it up. He was supposed to be in the movie. His character was oh 15, God. turning 16 or just turning 15. She was 36. And I had to stop myself. I kind of paused the movie for a minute. And I was like, oh, I feel really uncomfortable because we are getting full frontal from yeah, both of them. Uh, may I just say, Kate looks absolutely amazing. And she was fabulous in it. Um, but the the dynamic of the relationship of, of the age mm-hmm. gap. So there was a 21 year difference between them. He was 15, a teenager. She's 36 and had been through a very traumatic mm-hmm. time. Um, so I had to stop the movie and I had to have a little chat yeah. with myself. I had to say, okay, listen, Fiona. Okay. And I, I think because my kids are, you know, aged uh, 13, nearly 15 and 17, I had to stop myself and go, okay, now listen, we have to get through this movie. <laughs> and 
okay? Because I was feeling so uncomfortable because I was kind of starting to admire the kid and I was like, God, he's a grand big penis <laughs> on him. <laughs> yeah, right. right. And then I then I felt disgusting. Um, and I had to say to myself, do you know what? It's about time we see this in bloody movies because how conditioned are we as a society to accept a 36-year-old yeah. man shagging a teenage 16-year-old girl yeah. We would never bat an eyelid to an older man with a younger woman. And when the tables are turned, I find myself having to pause a movie and have to have a talk with myself to get through the rest of it. As a society, there's something Well, listen, I mean, it's very, as you mentioned before, a very Ivan Payne situation. Because if he was in his 40s and then his victims were, you know, you were in high school or whatever like that's what 15 that's the same sort of age gap so you're like this is also really fucked up but then you find out that the movie was produced by harvey weinstein and you're like okay now it's making sense kate winslet did not thank him in her oscar acceptance speech on purpose because she's like he is eb cray so nope and never enjoyed the way that he treated her and the way that he treated other women Fun fact, this was originally Nicole Kidman's role, uh, but due to her pregnancy, she... So it was Kate Winslet, then she turned it down, and then it was uh, 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 Nicole Kidman, and then Nicole Kidman was filming the movie Australia, and then she was pregnant, so then it went back to Kate Winslet. So good thing that she got it, because she won her Oscar for it. Good for her. Um, I did also find it gross the way that she kept calling him kid. Uh, which... I wrote that down. I'm like, you are not helping me get past the PDL here when you call him kid. You're having sex. It's like someone calling me dad, you know, calling a fellow in bed uh, daddy. Yeah. yeah. It, you know? Which, it, that's that's a gray area. But literally, just like, some people are into it, but mostly gay guys. But literally, like, you know, I felt the insecurity from the fact that she was un- unable to read, the fact that she was illiterate. I felt that she was going for it in all of those uncomfortable love scenes. I felt like that she was just bringing it to all of the uncomfortable awkwardness because I didn't feel uncomfortable necessarily with her uncomfortable uhness. Like I believed the scene. I believe that I believed the passion behind it. But I mean, obviously you can tell for the actor, like that's very awkward and very uncomfortable, but she totally sold it. Um, when she played oh, yeah. older, uh, the older version where she's in the jail and she commits suicide, even though she's a terrible person because she was a Nazi responsible for sending people off to their death. You're as an audience member, you, you have con you're conflicted because you do have sympathy for yeah. her and you do feel bad. And, and the way that she goes, well, I just joined, you know, the, the army because they were recruiting and I needed a job. And you're like, well, I guess that that's, during war times it's, it's it's complicated and 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 then you're just kind of like okay like you're still a horrible person but like you know i can understand maybe how you fell into it i don't know but there was sympathy for her character which is obviously hard to do in this kind of a role but just all i'm going to say overall for her performance is it was a brave performance yeah. she sold it it certainly is one of kate winslet's best and um i think she plays the naivety of her character, you know, somebody facing prison time for the rest of her life, you know, and the fact that she was the one that got the lifetime sentence and the other ones got away like for like four years, you're like, what? Like, was she not prepped for this? I don't know. But like, clearly she's not the sharpest knife and I enjoyed that they kept that consistent. Yes. Um, yes. And 
I really think that Kate, this is easy. Like, I can totally see why she won this Oscar. I think she's so transformed. I also think that she nailed the accent very well. I think Kate Winslet doesn't get enough credit for how good she is at doing accents. The only one that I yes. didn't enjoy was um, Mayor of Easttown, where she's like, oh, no, now I know her. She is the victim's dirter. Like, that kind of, that I didn't really enjoy. But apparently that was actually quite accurate to how people talk um, from, I think it was like a Virginia accent. I'm not sure. But otherwise, she is very good at doing accents. Like, I would say she's just as good as Meryl when it comes to doing accents. And I, think, I don't think she gets enough credit for that. Um, yeah. But anyway, all this to say, I do think that it's difficult playing a sympathetic Nazi. And I think that she did a good job with that. I also think that it's hard playing a sympathetic pedophile. And she, well, not that she was a pedophile, but you know what I'm saying. There was a boundary that was crossed. There was a line that was crossed. And she still sold it. And I'm still into it. And I think that that is such a credit to the performance and her acting skills. Absolutely. I wrote down all of those points as well. I was like, was she like a repressed person that in her head she was younger than than she physically was because of all the trauma and stress and of what she saw in those camps? Mm. I was going deeper into that. And And when she was up in court, it kind of showed her vulnerability and... As you say, you're watching um, a Nazi being tried for war crimes, but she wouldn't have classed herself as a Nazi and she wouldn't have seen them as war crimes. Like, was she dim? Was she ignorant? Was that like what was Mm -hmm. going on that she was so sitting in the court and you could see all the other women that were being tried? They seemed to know what they were doing, but they even knew to lie. And she was so oblivious going, well, there was the SS was offering jobs. So I went there for a job. And we were in charge of these women. And yeah, we had to lock the doors and keep them in a burning church because we were in charge of them. Otherwise, they'd run away. It was like she didn't even realize what she was doing. And I'm sitting here actually listening to a Nazi woman going, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Right? That's how good she was in this. She was explaining away being a Nazi unbeknownst to herself. But obviously, you know, that's very, very uh, layered. <laughs> yeah. But she was so good in this role. And and the relationship with the boy, the only way I could get past it was she needed some love and affection in her life. He obviously just wanted to have sex morning, noon and night, being a teenage boy. Um, And they had this romance and this love and this blossoming relationship. And I just thought at the end, when she goes to jail um, and uh, Ray Fiennes takes over the the, uh, the role as the as the mm-hmm. adult the boy when he's becomes older and he starts recording the tapes because she can't mm-hmm. read and he's sending her um tapes every single month so in jail that she can read or so she can listen to them and then she teaches herself to read based on what he has sent her and i just thought oh my god like that is the purest kind of love he has seen her in court when he was a law student be tried as a nazi and be convicted for murdering all of these people. And he still had some compassion in his heart to send this woman these audio uh, clips and books to get her through her jail time. I was like, is that, my God, talk about love. That to me, you're looking at that going, this shouldn't Mm -hmm. happen. He shouldn't care about this person. Yet he does. And that's how good she was in this role that you kind of made, you saw her from all these different angles. It's Yeah. Her character's name, Hannah Schmitz. And I, I think one of the most amazing moments was when Ray Fiennes does come to her 
in in the jail or the prison or whatever. And uh, he just doesn't really want to open up to her. He doesn't want to give it too much, but it's like he has sympathy for who she is as a person. And he, I suppose, has love for the memory of what they had together and because it was very powerful for him and sort of a coming of age moment for him. And um, it's so interesting the way that she understands that and she doesn't challenge that. But she also is a very ignorant or naive person, like you're saying, because she's just like constantly perjuring herself on the bench whenever she's in trial, just admitting like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I killed all those people. Yeah, I was yeah. responsible for that. And everyone's like, like shooketh that she's just being so frank. But yeah. the way that she understands the relationship between him and her and how he has his reservations and just the way that she respects that, it's just, yeah, it's just such a, uh, just a, she has this quiet dignity when she knows that she's done something so terrible and they, they don't try to make her seem like a, a, a hero, right? Because uh, Lena Olin at the end, whenever she's like, I don't want this money. I don't want her cash. This is all, this is Nazi money. Like you can keep this. Why don't you donate it to like illiterate Jewish people? She's like, not that most Jewish people are illiterate, but you know, go for it. It's just, yeah. I love that they don't try to make her, it's like, it's they made her a sympathetic character, but they didn't make her seem like a way, like, they didn't take away from the fact that she was still a Nazi. Yes. Um, yes. Anyway, just easily one of Kate Lindsay's best. I totally see why she won this Oscar and like um, kind of gross subject matter, but like, hey. Well, fas- fascinating, yes. right? Yes. Fascinating to see these people that committed all these things that are now walking around free. And then next thing it was like, oh, hey, actually you were involved in a massive war yeah, crimes. 100%. Unbelievable. My only thing about this movie for Kate Winslet being uh, nominated for an Oscar, she's fabulous in her role. She did what she needed to do, but she was only in about 65% of the movie. Um, That was my only Well, that's why she wanted to go supporting. And then they were like, no, we're going to go leads. I don't know. Okay. Were they short on leads? I don't know. But, um, okay. Do you have anything else that you would like to add before we select who we think that the Oscar should have gone to? I do not. Okay, so you are my guest, so you will have the honor of going first and picking who you think should have won. Okay. I think the Oscar should have gone to... Angelina Oh my God, (laughs) why? I just thought she was so compelling and um strong and wonderful in this role as this mother as this woman who had an opinion and had to play along in the games of the political times and what women had to endure and go through and i just thought from beginning to end she nailed everything in this movie oh that's so interesting oh god now i'm like oh like who am i gonna pick i'm kind of i'm like torn between two right now but uh okay so i think that the oscar should have gone to Kate Winslet for The Reader. And, okay, so I think my second runner-up would obviously be Angelina Jolie and Changeling, and I really wish that she had a second Oscar. Um, If she had won the Oscar for Changeling, I would be like, totally. 
But obviously, in time in history, like this was Kate Winslet's time. She'd been nominated so many times before. Frankly, I think that she should have won for Titanic. Frankly, I think that she should have won for Sense and Sensibility. But hey, she didn't. And here we are. I do understand the win for her, but I do pick Kate Winslet over Angelina Jolie because I think there was just a little bit more to it. I think that like the the kid fucking like that's gross and probably a fantasy of some of the male viewers, right? Like seeing like gorgeous Kate Winslet like screw some kid. Maybe it was like, oh nice. Like I don't know. But like that kind of stuff is very uncomfortable. But hey, fucking give it up for Kate Winslet for going there and yeah. giving that performance that was so brave and she gave full bush and I'm like applaud. Like I applaud you girl like for for re- so vulnerable, so real, just I really, really respect that. And um, I just think, hey, like, you know, Angelina Jolie didn't have to go there. And I just respect that Kate Winslet did have to go there. And she went there and she sold it because it's very uncomfortable subject matter. She made a Nazi sympathetic to me anyway. It's very, (laughs) I'm very conflicted watching it. And I think that's very interesting. I like when art can kind of do something like that. I think she nailed the accent. I love seeing her as an older character. I definitely cried when, you know, she commits suicide in the end and, uh, Overall, I think there's just more to her character, comparatively speaking, to Changeling. But I totally get why you selected her, because for me, easy, like, second would be Angelina Jolie. But overall, this year, I would definitely, I would give it to Kate Winslet. Um, If she was supporting, then give her supporting and then give Angelina Jolie lead. But yeah, definitely Kate Winslet for the reader. Totally get it. And she was my pick. So that concludes another episode. Fiona, thank you so much for being my angel and fucking saving me i appreciate it so so much thanks thank fiona appreciate it and uh everybody listening please check out her ep coming out by uh cottage comedy uh finger liquor (laughs) it's coming out (laughs) next month and you gotta check it out and check us out on social media and i guess that we'll see you guys next week bye